Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hi! Okay, welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with Caitlin Holmes. If you missed part one of our conversation from last week, hit pause, go listen to that one first. We cover the basics of nutrition as it relates to running, which sets up the stage for our conversation today, where we went into specifics of how to fuel around your long run or your race. And we talk about the night before, the morning of, during, after, all that good stuff. So enjoy the second part of my conversation with Caitlin, and I hope you love this episode. Okay, so let's dive into specifically around long runs and races. Yeah. That's what all my runners want to know, obviously. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Um, So should we go in chronological order of time? We could. We could cover some of the the basics. So I kind of have like an overall overarching theme of general things I'd recommend. And then I have time points of like before, during, and after. Perfect. What I usually recommend anyway. Yeah. So yeah, Always I can jump in as like, yeah, <laughs> kind of like the basic things I recommend. I kind of have like two, two main things I normally say to my runners. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. So if you basically don't all of a sudden start fueling either for the first time or differently on the day of a race. I feel like this should go, (laughs) this should be pretty like normal practice, but you'd be surprised where people will be like, Oh, all of a sudden I started doing this thing. I'm like, why? Oh my God. The day of like you, what if it doesn't help? What if it, Mm -hmm. anyway, that's a whole tangent, but make sure you, you start fueling with your strategy while you're getting into training, while you're starting a new training season. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you all of a sudden on race day, you're like, surprise, I fuel now. I'll be like, no, (laughs) that's like recipe for tummy troubles for just generally not fueling enough or with Mm -hmm. the right things for you, or, you know, a number of complications we don't want on race day. And then other than that, Carbs are a big priority for me and also focusing less on like healthy, unprocessed choices. I think that's like a big question I get a lot. And I'm like, well, why do you want that? First Mm -hmm. of all, let's back up. But those are the kind of big things. Yeah. Don't just start day of race and then focus on, on carbs kind of like without judgment. Those are great. And anyone who works with me knows we work on nutrition once yep. your runs start getting long enough and sometimes yeah. even on short runs. Cause yeah. And a lot of my runners find that like, even on the shorter runs, like if they're going for an hour, if they didn't eat much before, then having some fuel during is very helpful. Yeah. And I think what I've noticed, you probably seen this with many of your athletes is like when they start fueling around their, their training and their race, they're like, Oh, <laughs> 
Now I see it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's kind of hard to like get into that habit of yeah. fueling on the run, especially um, I know I struggled with it when I first started because mm-hmm. we're taught, like not taught, but as women, we pick up on that. We shouldn't eat a lot. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> we should exercise to offset it. So like when I first started running farther, I was like, I can't eat while I'm running. Cause that defeats the purpose. Yeah. You and know? then you're like, well, why am I actually running? Hmm. Yeah. Introspection. <laughs> it's yeah. so tricky. Cause even for myself, like, even if I go on like a quick, you know, quote, quick run, like five miles. I'm like, well, it was only five miles. I don't need to run. And then I'm hungrier for the next three days. And I'm like, "Mm, I think I pushed my, (laughs) my envelope today. (laughs) So it is, it, I feel like we're just conditioned with that mindset of like, you can't eat during, and the same thing goes for other sports too. Like so many other endurance athletes will also not eat during And I'm like, why do we, why is that a thing? Whereas like race day, it's kind of like built in with your different stations. Why aren't we doing that on our own time? (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I saw a meme a couple months ago about (laughs) ultra running. Mm. (laughs) Uh, one of my athletes shared it to our channel and it was like, if you think about it, ultras are just running from snack station to snack station. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that isn't that why we're running. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for ultras, that is part of it because you eat food versus like keeps road races. Yeah. Yeah. It's what keeps you going. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think eating during there's so much you can do too, that it's, it's like a shame that we don't train that either, but eating around races and longer runs too. Like there's so many time points when that nutrient timing can come into play and be such a performance tool, but also, so you just don't feel terrible. That's like bottom Mm -hmm. line, the goal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I find a lot of athletes, once they like adopt a nutrition strategy during their run and follow it, they're like, I wasn't as tired at the end. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, "Mm, interesting. Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Crazy how you're eating every 30, 45 (laughs) minutes and that's helping. (laughs) Yeah. How bizarre. (laughs) Well, should we, yeah, I can share more about like typical things I'd suggest before, during and after and bonus. I have some stuff to say about hydration. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. Um, should we start with night before? Sure. Get some questions about that. Definitely. Yeah. The night before I, I know everybody's probably heard like eat a spaghetti dinner, you know, like carb load the <laughs> night before you don't have to do that. <laughs> if you don't no. want to, I would say the day before and you know, the night before still too, because you're going to be digesting, you want to kind of eat normal foods that you would always eat. So mm-hmm. the night before you don't want to go out and have like a plate of you know, three dozen wings, because maybe that's not normal. Maybe it is. I say this lightly because maybe that's normal, (laughs) but if, if that's the night before you're not normally someone who would eat certain foods, kind of stick to the foods that, you know, are basic for you that don't really contribute to stomach upset or Mm -hmm. foods that don't contribute to like acid reflux or anything like that. So normal foundational foods. And the night before I would say like still have lots of good carbs. Carbs can again be from a lot of sources, but I would prioritize like grains, things like that. Uh, get some, 
really good fats in, you can get some good protein, like keep it the basics. So mm-hmm. really I know bro science is, I refer to this often, but doesn't mean you have to do it, but chicken, broccoli, rice, you know, things like that. You could do fish with some, <laughs> why am I blanking? A baked potato with <laughs> broccoli or a salad. Like it doesn't have to be that boring and basic, but you kind of mm-hmm. get the idea where it's like standard stuff, easy to digest, kind of the basics to cover the ground of what you might need. And yeah. Or like a burger with a bun and pickles. Oh yeah. Mm. Pickles galore. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pickles are uh, a big, big theme. We send pickle jokes back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. I big, big fan. I did not purchase that pickle, pickle grabber. Oh, that I sent you. There's one place here in Santa Fe that I'm actually going to after this call that has homemade pickles. <gasps> and I'm like, can I just have like pickles? Is that okay? And they're like pickles. When you mean, <laughs> like, can you just give me like a bowl of them? And they're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so <was> amazing. <laughs> yeah. Time of my life. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> And speaking of pickles, they're one of my favorite things to have at an aid station late in an ultra because they're salty and delicious. So salty, like hydrating. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're made with sugar. So that's cool. Like all of the above. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, and we got to talk about our favorite watermelon here because it's about to be watermelon. Oh my God. I'm ready. (laughs) I can't wait. So actually one of my athletes just ran the Zion 50 K. Oh, awesome. She sent me a picture from one of the aid stations was like, I remember you mentioning watermelons really good. So I had some and you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I know. (laughs) 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 It's like so good. The most refreshing thing I've ever had during a race. Yeah. Like does anything get better? No, no, absolutely not. No. And it's no. always like at mile 26, that's when I had it. And I was just like, thank God. Yeah. You're like watermelon. I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. It's oh so good. Uh, I'm ready. Every time watermelon season comes around now, I'm like, wow, got to send Kelly a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. Can't wait either. Well, certainly (laughs) there are lots of things for during the race. So maybe like morning of is a good topic. Yeah. So I would say like the two to three hour window before I know that that's, I say this and I'm like, I've told some athletes to get up quite early as a result. And I know that's not practical. So there's a caveat there. (laughs) Yeah. If you have to be there at 5.00 AM, I would say like really choose your breakfast, uh, wisely. I know it sounds crazy to like wake up early. So if you're, if you'd rather prioritize sleep, I am a big fan of that, but Mm -hmm. you probably want to at least get up an hour early and start, uh, eating something again, normal for you. That's not going to be, uh, weighing you down. And in terms of like making you feel like that 50 or 60 kilograms, that means you can have up to that amount in grams of carbs. Doesn't mean you have to eat exactly that for reference. If you're like, that means nothing to me. Uh, 30 grams is roughly one banana. So there are like a couple of things you could probably have like 
yogurt with fruit on the bottom and granola. You could have a couple Uncrustables if you really wanted to. <laughs> but I would say the more like standard breakfast you can have, the better, because you're kind of going to be bookending your day with like a substantial breakfast, substantial dinner, snacks in between. That's, I, I would say, probably how it's going to go. Yeah, that makes sense. And one thing that I've done with athletes who have like a super early race is mm-hmm they make sure they eat like a bigger than normal dinner. So they're kind yeah. of full when they wake up. Totally. And then something on the smaller side, like banana and peanut butter is like one yeah. of our favorites. That's such a good recommendation. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You can really beef up the night before for sure. Yeah. And then just like start fueling a little earlier yeah. during the run than you would if you had like a more substantial breakfast. Exactly. Yeah. It, like it just might mean you're like your first snack time might need to be a little sooner. Yeah. Like 15 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then also too, hydrating is a big part of that. So mm-hmm. I would say having like 20 ounces within the hour before is probably what I'd aim for. And if you're within 30 minutes, have like maybe seven to 10 ounces just to make sure you're rehydrated, especially if it's early in the morning, because you Mm -hmm. haven't had any water all night. So got to rehydrate. I know you talked about this on your podcast, which is the average climber. Yeah. Um, coffee, coffee. Does that count towards our hydration on race day? So coffee does actually count. I know it gets a lot of heat for its diuretic effect. But again, each person's different how they metabolize coffee. But I would say as long as coffee is not the only thing you have before your race, like you have some water, maybe some coffee, I think that's a good balance, but coffee really, it does count as a fluid for the day. So excellent. Yeah. It's I, I, it gets a lot of heat, but I don't think having, having caffeine is actually an asset to your race day. So I would be like, no, have that. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine all the runners not having coffee and like not pooping before the race? No, Mm -mm. that sounds miserable. Yeah. Your colon will thank you. Your brain (laughs) will thank you. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think especially I mean, obviously I'm just speaking from my experience, but I think a lot of us are used to drinking coffee every morning. So like going without would be personally, I would get a headache very soon. Yeah, I would too. Like why change what you've been doing every day? It's like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the day of you decide to have like your first pancake in a year and you're (laughs) like, well, wait, (laughs) you know, like a bad example, but you you kind of want to stick. Yeah. You want to stick to the normal stuff. (laughs) yeah and with all of this like we were saying practice your nutrition during a run you can also practice like what you eat before and the night before with all of your long runs and see what works and what doesn't yeah yeah you can really like the beauty of training is like you're kind of practicing your nutrition too like Mm -hmm. think of it as nutrition training whereas like basic nutrition is really important sports nutrition can be kind of like training where it's like those individual Mm -hmm. time points and i think those are a little bit easier to plan around and and use as like a tool rather than like having to think about the whole day i think it makes it a little bit easier to digest bad jokes. <laughs> I saw it coming from your face. <laughs> yeah. Like anticipating like, no, oh, she's going to say a dad. Joke. What's she going to say? <laughs> uh, so true. And I think kind of like the next 
aspect of race day nutrition, kind of like you said, Kelly, with like fueling even 15 minutes in, I think there's a lot. I got a few things to say about it. (laughs) Oh, go for it. So the rule of thumb, again, rules, whatever, try it out. Try before you buy. Uh, but I buy. <laughs> yep. It's it's generally like this is across all genders, heights, weights, like intensities might be where it varies, but generally it's about 30 to 60 grams of carbs per hour of activity. So mm-hmm. that just means what your body can tolerate and digest. So like 30, some people might do better with 15, might depend but 30 to 60 grams is kind of that balance. Um, when you start to go over 60 grams, then you might start to experience some digestive struggles. Uh, your body can't really process that many grams of glucose per hour. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of products have fructose in them too, to kind of like push that carb threshold, if you will. So it bumps Mm -hmm. it up and then like say for example, like Spartan races or something like that, that's when you can bump up like 90 grams per hour to make sure you can get more or 120 grams anyway. Uh, but 30 to 60 grams, I think will be for most people, a good range. Again, one banana is 30 grams. Those like, uh, gels are also really great too. Cause those can have like crazy amounts of, of <laughs> grams as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So like liquids or solids count, and that's kind of where like fluids come into, cause you still want to make sure you have about like seven to 10 ounces, like every 20 ish minutes, which sounds so like so much, but everybody's yeah. different. What helps me, cause that does sound a lot to a lot of people. Um, yeah. and I've heard some other running coaches talk about this on their podcasts is instead of like every 20 minutes I have to drink 10 ounces, just like sip through the hour. Yeah. Or like nibble on food during the hour. So then it's like not all at once you're suddenly eating. Like inhaling. Yeah. 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 I think that's such a good reminder, like not force feeding on the dot. It's like just mm-hmm. nibble. Cause I think your body will be a lot happier with that too. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more manageable. And although I will say sometimes then you drag out like a bar or gel longer than you should. So just be careful. Yeah. Or when you're practicing, you know, you might, maybe you cut it up into pieces. Like all I tell a lot of my athletes to do, um, like baked potatoes with salt, lots of salt. So good. And so good. And then, uh, you cut that into like chunks. So, you know, just like have the chunks kind of as you go. So, you know, like, okay, I need to eat these chunks within a certain amount of time. So you could do the same thing with a bar too. Yeah. That's a good idea. Baked potatoes. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I did have one athlete who I can't remember. If she bought the, like, like the baby food pouches off of Amazon, like the refillables. Yeah. They're put, so great. I don't remember. If she bought those or just put in an plastic bag, but mashed potatoes. She took that oh. on a couple of runs. She was like, this is good. <laughs> That's like the best idea ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those reusable pouches are so helpful and like mm-hmm. a really good option. Yeah. What else during a run? I know someone asked like, what if you're not hungry during a run? Well, depending on eat. what, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I hate to tell you, but just do it. <laughs> speed, but no, I, I definitely understand. Cause 
there, I mean, it's actually been shown that exercise does dampen your hunger response because think about it, like exercise is a stressor. So Mm -hmm. if, if you're running from a lion, you're not going to be like, Oh, (laughs) time for potato break. Like that's not happening. So (laughs) you really want to make sure that like you realize one of the aspects of like intuition or auto-regulation as an athlete is just knowing that you need to refuel at certain time points and Mm -hmm. accepting that that's part of the race day game plan. Like you obviously don't, I mean, it's uncomfortable to run. Right. So like you're pushing yourself to do that. You can absolutely push yourself to have a snack. So. Yeah, I agree. Especially with all of the different types of fuel on the market. And if you are running a shorter race, like then you don't need the fuel, but yeah, anything I say longer than an hour start fueling. Yeah, totally. And that goes for a lot of sports too. It's like, if you're going to be out for longer than an hour, that's when you should start fueling. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I tell my climbers. That's what I tell my cyclists. That's what I tell my swimmers. <laughs> it's like you hit that hour mark. Yeah. Everybody. It's like some people might want to snack in the hour, but maybe not. And I think that's, it's, it's like, you might just need to base it on what you ate before. Mm-hmm. If you were eating all day and then you ran versus like, if you wake up right away, have something small, like then it changes things. So mm-hmm. it just, it depends on a lot of factors, but try, (laughs) try first experiment. Yeah. There's always something that you can ingest. It's not like super taxing or yeah. I don't know if taxing is the right word, but what I'm thinking of is spring energy. Mm -hmm. They have, um, one of their, they're not really gels, but they're like in the shape of a gel, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're all real food, but one of them is called awesome sauce and it's basically applesauce. Oh, like carb heavy, very easy to get down and very delicious. Yeah. Big fan of that. Listen to Kelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause that doesn't like, if you're not hungry, I know eating is uncomfortable and like, you don't want to feel full, but like with that little applesauce and whatever else mm-hmm. is in it, like you're not going to feel full at all. Yeah. Your body will use that so fast. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And it's so, so good. Yeah just have them readily available practice. I think that's kind of the key. So, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then should we talk about after? Yeah. Yeah. After is <sighs> a big one. I, this is like all I think about on long runs and races. What am I going to eat when I finish? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's literally the light at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> it's so exciting. Yeah. And I think I don't know if you've seen this Kelly, but with some of the, like, I've read a couple of running articles where they're like, don't just eat a burger and fries and a bunch of shit after the race. And I'm like, why not? Why are you a hater? (laughs) I feel like I have seen that a lot. I find it annoying. And it's, it's kind of like a lot of things with nutrition where it's like, that's not the optimal thing to do. And it's like, well, there, it's still a good thing to do. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do. Yeah. If your option is not eating at all or having something you really like, that's yeah. going to help you recover. I mean, I'm not hearing a bad thing about the latter. <laughs> yeah, I know. My favorite yeah. is ice cream and either a burger or pizza. So, oh. oh my God, that sounds so good. After like a long, long race. Yeah. I feel like I want like an, a lemon slushy 
Ooh. lemonade slushy. <laughs> Sounds and good. Then, and then anything else. Although, mind you, my long races are like <laughs> 10 miles max. <laughs> That's still long. I'm a strength-based athlete now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, even after like a few miles, I'm like, wow, I'm exhausted. Pizza and burger time. <laughs> I mean, so, I support it. <laughs> thank you. I love it. Yes. Validation. <laughs> uh, oh, that reminds me back to during the run. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast, Jason Coop's podcast. Mm-hmm. He had a nutritionist on, I can't remember her name right now. It's either like Melanie, Melinda, Melissa, <laughs> something like that. Um. Anyway, one of her tactics for ultra runners is to go on a long run and then in the middle, stop at a gas station and see what you're craving and get that and like figure out what your body actually wants on the run. Oh, I love that. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, Cause if you, if you're going to be at a long run, like with stations and you don't get to choose what you have, that's kind of frustrating. Like you get to one and it's like (laughs) an uncrustable. I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) that's such a good idea. And also maybe that's a good way too to like build up your strategy of what works for you on a run Mm -hmm. where you're like, Oh, I remember the three gas station stops I had and I picked pickles each time. (laughs) I think that's such a good idea. I love that strategy. Yeah. I'm going to put that in my pocket too. Yeah. I think it's such a good strategy and it's kind of what I do when I'm figuring out like what I want to eat after a run. Cause I yeah. think about it the entire time. Like, what am I craving? What sounds good right now? Yeah, totally. Cause like your body will let you know what it's craving. I mean, it's probably craving energy dense foods, which yep. makes sense, but you like you've learned over time what that means. So mm-hmm. your body will naturally gravitate towards that, which I think is great. Listen mm-hmm. to your body. It knows trust the gut. Yeah. Uh, so for, I know a lot of runners after doing like a hard effort or a long effort, they don't feel hungry right away. Yeah. What would you recommend for them? Like, is there something small and quick they should get in soon after and then like have a meal when they're actually hungry or is there another strategy? I would say within the 30 minutes, you definitely want to get some fluids. So like at least a cup of water. So maybe that's a good way to tack on some carbs to help Mm -hmm. replenish glycogen. And that could be like your classic Powerade Gatorade. Like, I think that's a good strategy if, Mm -hmm. if nothing else, like Mm -hmm. bare minimum, or it could be hydration powders too. I really like gnarly fuel 2 O because that has carbs in it. It's really, really good. And like very solid carbs, not like two grams. Yes. So, <laughs> so that's a good option. And if that's something you're like, oh, I'd rather have something solid, like go for quick stuff, like gummies, anything like carb carbs are going to be a big part of that. And then I probably wouldn't go more than two hours without having that recovery meal. I know sometimes you can push it to like three to four hours, but I think if you want to expedite recovery, especially if you have another race the next day, get that recovery meal in immediately. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. The sooner, the better. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you for sure. Yeah. And then outside of like the immediate meal after, Mm -hmm. would you say like, let's talk about an ultra. Yeah. Like 
a really long training race, mm-hmm. like more than 10 miles. Yeah. Um, would you say to focus on maybe not like eating more for like the 24 hours after, but like, I'm not entirely sure how I'm trying to form this question. (laughs) (laughs) Basically what, what to do after race day. Yeah. Yeah, So I feel like a lot of people focus on like the meal right after, and then no one talks about like, also eat your normal meals for the rest of the day and like, make sure, like you said before, like get enough calories and maybe more because you just ran really far. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Well, it's, this is maybe a bad example and unrelated, but like on Thanksgiving when people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat breakfast or lunch. And I'm like, no, no, no. Have your, have your normally scheduled meals Mm -hmm. to the best of your ability. Even if you know, after like your recovery meal, if you're like, okay, I had burgers, fries, ice cream, and a whole watermelon. (laughs) Like I'd still say, you probably still need more calories later in the day. So I would still try and have something. And even the days after, you know, make sure that you still have your solid meals, whether that's three or five meals, you know, whatever your natural normal rhythm is, but just to make sure you're, you're getting enough calories, you're still recovering because you put your body through a lot of stress and you need to, to heal that. So like, don't, don't really change anything. Like keep, if anything, eat more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like we were talking about earlier about eating more on your rest day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eat more after your race. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to be a good way to help like expedite recovery, Mm -hmm. but also ensure recovery. And that's, you know, that's, that's what we want. Cause running, it really does take a big toll on like your body and then mm-hmm. it needs to recover your gut too, especially is going to take a, a pretty big hit from it, which is normal. But you know, if you don't eat for three days after your body's going to be like, no hard pass <laughs> injury, here you go. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Or your energy levels will be so low. And then yeah. like, once you do want to get back into running, you're not going to have anything to make you go. No. Yeah. <laughs> Got nothing to give. Yeah. <laughs> that first run's going to suck. Um, so speaking of race day, yeah, one of my athletes asked, um, she tracks her cycle mm-hmm. and it's looking like race day is going to coincide with that time of the month. It depends. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I would say is like one of the things to take note of depending on your cycle. So this is a bit different. If you're taking like a a birth control, whether that be a birth control pill or another, you know, an IUD or something like that, it, it does re reframe some of what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. But if you have a natural cycle, you generally have two parts of your cycle, your follicular phase and your luteal phase. And in your luteal phase, those are the two weeks roughly before your period. And that's generally when our body has a carb sparing effect. So in essence, you won't have as many carbs to utilize during workouts. So if your race is during those days, so annoying, Mm -hmm. literally a tragedy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that would just mean you would probably want to bump up carbs a little bit more than normal around that timeframe. And some of that might continue on into your cycle, um, which gets confusing because, Whereas your luteal phase is your high hormone phase, your follicular or like menstrual phase is when 
ideally your hormones are, they, you know, drop significantly. That's like mm-hmm. your low hormone phase, but they still might be kind of high for a bit. So, you know, see how it feels, maybe consider that you'll, you'll want a little bit more protein too, and a little bit more carbs just to help balance that carb sparing effect. So it's a bit tricky to get into specifics, but that is a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I'm guessing, so I'm, if I remember correctly, her race is in June. Mm -hmm. So this month might've passed, but in May she could practice if it falls on a long run. Yeah. What it might feel like. And the other thing to take note of too, is like your thermoregulation and how your body releases heat could be a lot different too. In the luteal phase, it's such a bitch. (laughs) So heat is just the worst. It's just regulate. (laughs) No, I know. And it's like, you add hormone, like thermoregulation dysregulation. You're like, come on. (laughs) But in those instances, yeah, like cooler water, um, electrolytes are going to be important carbs and yeah, protein it's try it out, experiment, see how it feels and, you know, adapt from there, but you may not even notice an effect. So all of these things might be null. So <laughs> just depends. I know. Yeah. It is very different woman to woman. <laughs> yeah. And like your training level, your cycle it. Yeah. So much at play there. It's hard to say. Uh, so this brings up another question. It's kind of more general than running mm-hmm. specific, but are there differences in how you approach nutrition with men and women, or is it usually like the same general principles other than like maybe our time of the month, like you were just mentioning? Yeah, that's a good question. So with men and women, there's there's some variety. And I think it primarily comes down to how men and women metabolize nutrients. And it, it, I would say more so than not though, it depends on your training and your, your nutrition more than anything, because, um, what's funny is like women who are engaged in training typically have more, well, actually this might just be in general. I think biologically women are more they have more of a capacity to utilize fat as energy, which is Mm kind of cool. Yeah. That's like maybe where that comes into play a bit, but ultimately it depends so much. So on like the person, you know, your basic anthropometric measurements, your height, your weight, um, and like your age play into that more than a lot of other things, but Mm -hmm. It's, it's tricky to say like definitively, yes, I tr- like their nutrition's different because mm-hmm. overall the basics stay the same and where it might change, like you said, is like with cycle or medications or, you know, what their general goals are and like what they might be hoping to achieve. Is it strength? Is it endurance? Mm-hmm. Is it power endurance? So I change it more based on like the sport goals what might be missing in their diet or what they could add more regularly. And based on their symptoms, that's how I approach it. But in terms of like, is there something I would do for a male athlete versus a female athlete? I probably wouldn't base it on their gender per se, more often than not. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like with most training things, like gender is so low on the list of differences it's like like we keep saying it's just all about you and what you 
can handle and what your body wants and needs versus yeah. like, are you a man or a woman? Right. Like the individualized approach genetics play more into it than your gender, I would say. So yeah, it's hard to say like most of the time on gender, it just kind of depends what somebody's underlying goal is. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing is <laughs> what matters more is like, are you an athlete versus are you sedentary? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's more what it gets at for yeah. sure. It's like activity level determines the recommendation more than the individual in that sense. So like, mm-hmm. then it becomes less about the individual. <laughs> so not to add confusion. <laughs> yeah. Well, with like anything that we're talking about, or like you talk about in the training space, it's, there are like general principles and guidelines you follow for like the athletic yeah. population versus the non-athletic population. And then within those guidelines, then you like fine tune it for the individual. Exactly. Yeah, totally. It's, I, I would say that's where you can start to get into it. Like working, working mm-hmm. with a professional helps a lot. If you're like, I have no idea, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I want to dial it in, but for the rest of it, it's like, yeah, just approaching it from like a broad perspective, narrowing down where you need to it. That, yeah. Yeah. It gets tricky (laughs) (laughs) as with everything. So someone did ask me from Instagram, is there a difference between how you approach nutrition for runners and climbers? Um, Because in their mind, they think those plans would seem to be opposite, but. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So here's kind of where I start. And then I, I go from here but it kind of depends on what type of running you're doing and what type of climbing you're doing. Mm -hmm. It also depends on how new you are or experienced you are in each sport. It doesn't mean you have to be running ultras all the time or like climbing V10. It's Mm -hmm. like, doesn't mean that it just means how well-trained are you in those respective spheres? Because if you're new to one versus the other, your energy needs are going to be higher in the newer sport. Mm-hmm. than like the well-trained one, it's yeah. just your body adapts. Yay. Evolution. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say for climbing, because it's oftentimes more of a power based or power endurance based sport, I will prioritize carbs in their nutrients. Mm-hmm. I'm like about to, I think I'm about to second guess myself Um, or contradict, (laughs) I should say, but with more endurance-based athletes, we'll talk about nutrition from like, we'll still talk about nutrient timing, but I think for me personally, where I find that my endurance athletes need the most support is like foundational nutrition, just making sure Mm -hmm. you're getting the basics throughout the day, hitting your calories. And then What's because what's interesting is most of my endurance athletes already know about nutrient timing. So they already know like what to eat before, during, and after. Not always, like we still talk about that. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, I find that the basic nutrition is like what's lacking. Whereas with climbers, the nutrient timing is like the kind of like the key to it all. Even though, you know, basic nutrition is still very important for climbers, it Uh and it's something we touch on. But in terms of how I approach it, I think I kind of look at like, what's your goal? What's your level of training, your experience? And then we, we tackle it from there. So 
it doesn't mean that like one day you're going to be fueling with carbs and the next day you're going to be doing something totally different. It just means like, how can we meet in the middle and find some balance and like dial it in from there, knowing about, you know, the general principles and then you as an individual, how do we adapt that? And I imagine when you say, when we say runner, that obviously encapsulates anything from like a track runner who's doing like 200s, right? an ultra runner doing 200 miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah. So it's like similar to bouldering versus sport climbing, I assume. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I approach it too. Cause like I'll have multi-pitch trad climbers who are climbing like five sevens all day. And I'm like, well, obviously we're not going to like heavily push carbs all day, every day. Whereas like somebody who's bouldering or sprinting or like really pushing the like speed threshold, you know, that's, that'll be a little bit different and more nuanced for that type of activity. So it just depends. So they're not super different. No, no. I would say a lot of sports can be fortunately or unfortunately like chunked into one and (laughs) and you can look at it either like low and slow intensity, Mm -hmm. high and fast intensity. It's like, those are the two categories and that that'll dictate what you do before, what you do during, and possibly what you do after too. Yeah. And with a lot of runners, then that applies basically to every type of run you're going to do. Like on a speed day, that's more powerful. Yeah. You'd want to prioritize like the carb timing versus like your long run, low and slow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something to play around with. Like, I think there's no magic answer for Mm-hmm. like everybody, I think it depends so much on the individual. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it, it just, it just does come back down to the fact that like practice makes progress and you can understand like how you personally interact with the nutrients that you're, you're taking in and you can, you can try it out first and understand more than you would otherwise like knowing, okay, yeah, this day, this worked well for me. And wow, no, that does not work well for me. So it's better to know before than like day of. Yeah. And that actually reminds me, a lot of people don't keep track and make connections like that. Yeah. Um, So what would you recommend there? Because I know when we worked together, I was tracking it with an app, but Mm -hmm. what are some options for like, you know, a lot of us did struggle with food at some point in time, and maybe that's triggering. Mm -hmm. Um, what is a way to track, not necessarily like how much you're intaking, but like what you're intaking and your activities. So you can like look back and be like, Oh, that day I ate that and I felt bad. So maybe that's the cause. Yeah. I think that's such a a good, important note. Cause like, yeah, unless you really bring attention to it, you won't necessarily remember or know. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of people who do find tracking meticulously tracking kind of like triggering and that's so valid. And what, what I typically recommend in those situations is like a few things you can limit it to three days. Um, you know, not every single day of the week, just like two weekend or two weekdays, one weekend day, you can take pictures of your food and use that as like a photo log attached to some notes doesn't have to be like exactly what you ate to a T. It can just be like, this is what I ate snap. And then like, it's out of mind. Mm-hmm. You can do like a free form journal where it's like, okay, breakfast. I had oatmeal with blueberries done. 
breakfast, I had a sandwich with roughly this stuff, like give you an idea of what was in it. So it's not super specific. Mm-hmm. And another thing too, I want to mention is I think we need to dump my fitness pal. It doesn't serve anybody. It's not your pal. It ain't your bud. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so I really like chronometer mm-hmm. or chronometer depends on who you are, <laughs> but I really like them because there it's like no judgment (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there's no like weird weight stuff. Like you can just enter the app without entering height, weight or anything. Like you can put in your own details or you can just like not have any targets or goals. Cause I Mm -hmm. think that gets very sticky. So yeah, I, I, I personally like to use that app more um, than others. And then yeah. You know, check in every now and again, it can be like, like I said, it could be a week or two weeks once every few months, it could be three days a month or three days a week. Like there's really no set rule of what you can and can't do for tracking. Mm-hmm. But if you want to bra- draw more attention to what you're doing, how it's making you feel so that you really know how to dial it in, I would definitely recommend just, you know, having some way to keep track however that goes and, you know, looking at it occasionally just to assess. Cause yeah, checking in is powerful, but I agree. Sometimes it, it can go like further than it has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got to collect data to find trends. Yeah. Data is powerful. <laughs> uh, data. Somebody said something to me the other day, data informs decisions anyway. <laughs> Somebody told me that from their, their possible therapy session. I was like, I like that. Now I can't even remember it. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like one of um, my company's values. Data oh beat opinion is one of our values. <laughs> it works as a data scientist. I mean, my job is meaningful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's true. Gotta love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this episode, maybe two episodes is so packed full of information. I think it'll be really helpful for everyone listening. Um, if you are listening and you have more questions, you can send them in. You can email me at kelly at coachingclutz.com and Caitlin, where can everyone find you? Yeah. I'd love if anyone has any additional questions too, you can reach out, uh, and follow me on Instagram at dirtbag nutritionist. And I would love it if you follow along anyway, I try to keep my recommendations for all athletes. So, (laughs) um, definitely, uh, check out my page. You can also email me, uh, nutrition at caitlinholmes.com. And I will also send over Kelly, my a calendar link. If you ever want to schedule a free 15 minute call with me, just to see if nutrition's right for you, ask some questions and yeah, no pressure to sign up at all, but we can chat about if it's something that could be a good strategy moving forward. Yeah. And I highly recommend her services. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Are you, are you currently accepting new athletes? I am. Yeah. Every month I have a few new spots that open up and Uh, Come May and June, I will be opening up a couple more. So yeah, I'll have lots of spots. So I usually uh, do have quite a few spaces that open up at least every other month if if it's a busy time. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I'll link all of that in the show notes. So 
If you want to contact Caitlin, you can just go there and click it. Uh, and yeah, thanks for being here, Caitlin. This was so fun. Thank you, Kelly. This was great. And thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. We'll probably have to have you on again because there's so many rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time. 